0: Welcome to the First Love Podcast from First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, for March 15th, 2020. We are carrying on the series Walking with Jesus with Reverend Jonathan and Siobhan Warren. Their sermon title today is The Healer. We offer this sermon today by itself, but also we have posted a podcast containing the whole Sunday service for March 15th, as a result of our church being closed during this crisis time for the United States. We do this for the convenience of those who would like to listen to a complete church service. If you'd rather, just listen to the sermon. Thank you very much for choosing to download our podcast each week. We pray that you will be healthy and that God will be with you. All this week.
1: Let us prepare our hearts for the scripture reading by praying our prayer for illumination. God of mercy, you promise, promise never, never to break, break your, covenant your covenant with us. With us. Amid, Amid all, all the changing words of our generation, our generation speak, speak your, your eternal word that does, does not change. change. Then and may we, may we respond, respond to your gracious promises, promises with faithful, faithful and obedient and lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Our first gospel reading is from the gospel according to Matthew, the eighth chapter. Let us listen to the word of God. When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were possessed with demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and cured all who were sick. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God.
2: God. Before we get to our next gospel lesson, I want to share a message for not just our children, but especially our parents and our grandparents. When I was a kid, I used to watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on television, and Mr. Rogers used to tell us what his mother would tell him when something difficult was happening in our world. And this is what he shared in some of his broadcasts and in some of his shows. He would ask the children or say, always look for the helpers. There's always somebody who's trying to help. So ask your children, who are the helpers? Our world is full of doctors and nurses. There's police, firemen, volunteers, neighbors and friends. Look for the helpers and pray for them. We are those who can be helpers as well. Those folks who are ready to help to jump in when things go wrong. Those are those moments we can lift up and pray for those folks. And that's a good message for each one of us. We pray for our helpers. We pray for those who are helping one another through this difficult time. Now let's listen to the second gospel reading. It's from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's listen to the word of God. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them, and when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd... They removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And at once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When we traveled in Israel, it brought many Bible stories to life. Standing in places where Jesus stood was eye-opening. Our, our hope through this sermon series is to share some of those feelings and experiences with each of you. Through photos and stories, we want you to see just a little bit of what we saw. Uh, we're going to be sharing some photos so that you can follow them along on Facebook and on this stream. So we hope that you can see those. Now, when most of us think of Jesus, we think Jesus of Nazareth. Nobody's ever said Jesus of Capernaum, but for three years, the adult Jesus lived in the city of Capernaum. It wasn't until each of us was in Israel that we thought, I never knew that Capernaum uh, was Jesus's home. Why didn't our Sunday school teachers teach it to us? Uh, uh, All the pastors and Sunday school teachers, seminary professors even, even when I read scripture, I missed that little fact that Jesus' home was in Capernaum. But it's right there in our scripture reading. In fact, many of the gospel stories take place in Capernaum and the towns around it, like Siobhan shared last week. These towns all surrounded the Sea of Galilee, and today we find ourselves in this very town Of Peter and Jesus, where Jesus heals many people. In our first photo, we see a statue of Peter in his hometown, where he holds in his hands a shepherd's staff and a key, which symbolizes his pastoral authority and Jesus giving Peter the keys to heaven. Since he started out as a fisherman, there's a fish at his feet. Then in our second photo is the site of Peter's house, Now, the ruins of the actual house are covered by what you see here, an octagonal church built in the 4th or 5th century. You can see that this building has a covering over it. Now, if you zoom out a little, you see that in our next photo is a new church building. This building is suspended over those ruins of Peter's house, this old church This modern church is above where you see the glass windows, and Peter's house is below where people are looking. Now, finally, in our fourth photo, like what Peter's house would have looked like before it was converted into a church, these city houses were very unlike our American neighborhoods. In this place, houses shared stone walls with one another. It's hard to make out, but you can see that these stone ruins make individual walls. Each house was only big enough for an adult to lie down in, and each of the rectangles in this photo is an individual house. Now, as we look at these photos and think about the story in Matthew's gospel, Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever, and with a touch of his hand, Jesus heals her. Then later that day, he heals all who came to him. Matthew tells us, this was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases.
1: Well, after this happened, Peter turned from a disciple into something much deeper. When we read in Mark's gospel that Jesus was in his house, he's actually in Peter's house. Because after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, Peter said, Mikasa is su casa. His house became Jesus' home base for the remainder of his ministry. When we read about the crowd coming to hear Jesus teach, imagine all the people cramming into one of these tiny rooms. There are other stories about Jesus preaching in the synagogue. We can see the relative size of the synagogue in our next photo. There would have been plenty of room for a crowd there, but instead these people have come to Jesus' house, to Peter's house, to hear the rabbi teach. The scribes have come from the synagogue, which was just down the street. Photo six, the next photo, is a view of the cluster of houses as seen from between the pillars of the synagogue, not far away. But the room in Peter's house is so crowded When the four friends arrive, carrying the baptized man on a mat, they can't force their way in. And so they do the unthinkable. They dig a hole through the sod roof and lower their friend in from above. What's fascinating about this story is that Jesus pulls a fast one on everybody. I don't know if you noticed it, but the moment that the man is in front of Jesus, Jesus talks about the faith of his friends. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't heal the man, which is what everyone is hoping and expecting him to do. But instead he says in verse 5, Son, your sins are forgiven. Because by some miracle to Jesus, forgiveness and healing are the same thing. Well, for the past several weeks, everything in the news has been about the coronavirus. Our world, our nation, our community is struggling with this pandemic. Disney World, sporting events, everything is shutting down. Even our worship this morning is different than we usually hold it. There is a huge amount of anxiety and fear and almost all of us are being swept up in it. The coronavirus maybe hasn't even touched our town yet, but if you go to Walmart, there isn't any toilet paper there. (laughs) Social media, even the real media has only fanned the flame, and we are becoming as paralyzed as the man in our Bible story. This pandemic is causing paralyzing anxiety and literally paralyzing us in our homes as we're being asked not to go out
2: now Jesus knows that the worst part of paralysis isn't just the physical but paralysis also affects our emotional and spiritual well-being we need healing that's bigger than just something physical so Jesus is forgiving this paralytic who which is something only God can do. He first takes care of his emotional and his spiritual well-being, which is something we also really and truly need now, isn't it? In the story, the paralytic is carried by others, four friends who love him so much that when they hear that Jesus is home, they don't just pray and hope and wish for healing to come, These friends carry him to Jesus, and when they can't find a way into the house because it's so crowded, they make a way. They literally go up to the roof and tear a hole in the ceiling. Now, I love this because it gives us a beautiful example of how we can be community. Our church, it's a family. It's been here for nearly 200 years, and we've made it through impossible things before. We've dealt with anxiety and loss and sickness. We've made it through the Civil War and slavery and through world wars. And we've done all this by carrying one another. How do we carry those in our community who are paralyzed? First, think of your neighbors, your friends who are burdened the most. How can we carry others through this pandemic? Now, I know preachers like to ask hypothetical questions, but this time, I'm really asking you, who can you help carry this week? When you're buying groceries online and picking it up in your car, first call a friend or a neighbor who can't buy the minimums and add their groceries to your list. As they're restricting visits in nursing homes, People who live there are increasingly isolated. I want you to name two or three people who you can call on the phone this week to offer conversation or prayer. In this story in Scripture, the only way to get through these things is together. The only way to fix paralysis is through God's forgiveness and when we help carry others.
1: Much of Jesus' ministry was one of healing. In Jesus' time before there was medicine, even what we would call a simple illness was insurmountable. But healing has never stopped being a part of our faith. Every week when we gather in worship, we pray for those who are in need of healing. We print the names of those people in our bulletins, and we hope that you take that list home every week and keep those people in your prayers. Our prayers are a real and tangible way for us to participate in the healing of others. Our prayers turn us into the friends that carry others to Jesus. Last Wednesday night, a group of us gathered here in this sanctuary for a service of wholeness. Now, our Presbyterian service book officially calls this a service for wholeness and healing, but we didn't want to scare anyone away, so we left off the last part. Our service began with a reading from our Presbyterian Directory for Worship, part of our church's constitution. It says, God calls the church to continue the healing ministry of Jesus Christ, caring for one another, sharing joys and sorrows, providing support in times of stress and need and offering admonition, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Members draw on the resources of worship in their care for one another, and they take these resources with them, extending Christ's grace in peace, into homes, hospitals, hospices, neighborhoods, schools, and workplaces. All members are called to take part in the ministry of pastoral care. Visiting the sick, supporting the weak, and comforting those who mourn. So during Wednesday's service, we joined together in prayer, first of confession and then of intercession. Then there was a time for individual prayer. We brought kneeling benches to the front of the sanctuary, and all those who wanted could come forward to be prayed for and anointed with oil. The prayer requests ranged from deeply personal to prayers for family and friends to prayers for our whole world. Again and again, as Jonathan and I lifted prayers for these individuals, we could see that the people in that gathering, the people who are with us today, are the very people who carry our faith out into the community. It was a tender and intimate moment. Sharing prayer aloud with other people is a beautiful thing. Please help your neighbors with groceries and phone calls in these uncertain weeks ahead, but also when you speak to others, even if it's outside your comfort zone, share a word of prayer with them. Jesus came into this world, Scripture tells us, to take our infirmities and bear our diseases. Jesus came into this world to offer us healing. Sometimes that healing comes through our minds and our spirits. Sometimes it comes through our bodies. But in order to stop from being paralyzed, we need to carry each other to Jesus the healer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: For more information about First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois, please call 217-245-4189 or you can email us at office at firstpressjax.org That's O-F-F-I-C-E-F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G Our street address is 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, zip code 62650. We have adult and children's Sunday school from 9 to 10 a.m. on Sundays, with Sunday services starting at 10 a.m. There is also daycare available. Our website is www.firstprezjax.org. Please come and visit us when you're in the neighborhood. We look forward to seeing you. God bless and have a great week.